Need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two footed podcast on Wednesday, the 4th of May, brought to you by EPLindex.com and a presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you geoblock from while also keeping your data safe. So if you're a UK expat who wants BBC iPlayer or ITV Hub or all four, a Liberty Shield VPN can get you where you want to be. If you're an Irish expat, just wants RTE player, again, a Liberty Shield VPN is what you need. It keeps your data safe. It's the number one rated VPN on Trustpilot. Five-star ratings across the board. Outstanding customer service. A great bunch of lads. Check out libertyshield.com. Use the code EPL25. That's EPL25 to get 25% off a checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy for all your football merchandising needs. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks. You'd have to forgive me today. I'm feeling exuberant. Liverpool have qualified for the final of the Champions League for the 10th time in their history. The third time in five years. Jurgen Klopp has turned them from a laughing stock into a powerhouse. They're still on course to win the quadruple. It is an amazing time to be a Liverpool fan. It just is. One cup down, FA Cup final and Champions League final to come. Both of them in their own control, obviously. Win the game, win the cup. The league isn't in their control. They're relying on Manchester City to drop a point. Well, two points, rather. Or, or even three if they, if they want to lose a game. But they do need City to drop points. 
But to go into this season with some doubts over the squad and find yourself in this position come May where it could either be historic and they could win it all, it could be incredible and they win the Champions League and FA Cup to go with the League Cup, it could be great to win the Champions League to go with the League Cup. It could be very good to win the FA Cup and the League Cup, or it could be completely heartbreaking to win just the League Cup. Now, to win the League Cup is a good is a good achievement, but it would be heartbreaking if Liverpool didn't pick up any more silverware between now and the end of the season. It really would. But last night, they were made work for it. Villarreal, 2-0 down from the first leg, flew out of the traps, and Dia made it 1-0. In the third minute, uh, Andy Robertson needs to do much better. Villarreal dominated the first half. They had five shots. Liverpool had, I believe, two. Um, They overran Liverpool in midfield. Wouldn't let them get settled. Gave them nothing going for. Liverpool had some opportunities where Villarreal had swamped the midfield to such an extent that Salah was sent through into big pockets of space, but just couldn't do anything with it. Uh, Coquine, formerly of Arsenal, made it 2-0 two, two on 41 minutes. Good work from Kapue. Dreadful defending by Andy Robertson. Good cross. Good header. 2-0. Liverpool looked to be in major trouble. Jurgen Klopp made one change at halftime. Knowing that he had his best midfield on the pitch, he simply fixed the issue. And the issue was the ball wasn't sticking in the forward line. Every time it was played into Jota or Mane, it just bounced straight back and Villarreal were able to push on and disrupt everything Liverpool were trying to do. They were able to outnumber, outfight and outrun Liverpool in the midfield area, oftentimes having seven pulled into that midfield area against Liverpool's three. And the main reason for that was that the ball would not stick in the attack. So the fullbacks could push forward, they could gamble. The centre-backs were able to really aggressively push up on Jota and Mane when he drifted centrally and just bounced the ball back into midfield where because their players were swamping that area, they had the man advantage of winning every second ball. They were winning every second ball off Liverpool's defence as well when there'd be a defensive header or a clearance by any of Liverpool's backline who were having to play in their own box, not able to get out, not able to catch breath. Villarreal were onto those second balls because of that numerical advantage that they gave themselves in midfield with their aggressive approach. Liverpool were missing Firmino. They were crying out for someone to take the ball in and calm things down and just take 20 seconds off the clock and let the defence step out at the midfield, set themselves again. They didn't have Firmino, but they had Diaz. And as soon as Diaz came on, the game changed. His ability to take the ball in, hold the defender off, spin that defender and go down the line to carry the ball 30, 40 and 50 yards at a time to take on and commit defenders, to force their defence back into their box, allowed Liverpool to step forward, set their team the way they want it, get into the positions that they want to be in and start to run through their patterns of play. This was not a game to change the midfield. I've said this before on a couple of podcasts, you may be sick of hearing it. If all three midfielders are having poor games, that's not individual issues. That is a structural issue. Klopp realised that 
didn't soak his underpants with urine like a lot of people did at half time. Made the one change in the front three, kept the midfield as was, and went on and won the game. 62 minutes, Fabinho works himself into a position, receives the ball from Salah, shoots when the keeper is expecting a cross, puts it through his legs. Keeper should do better. It's brilliant by Fabinho. 67 minutes. It's a great cross from Trent. It's a weird header from Diaz, but it finds its way in. It's 2-2. Now it's 4-2 in aggregate. Now it's over. Villarreal start to panic. They start to pile forward. Naby Keita with a simple ball over the box, over, over the top. Mane runs on, beats the keeper, beats Foyt, and there we have it. 3-2 on the night. Liverpool through to a Champions League final. Once again, the most dominant English team when it comes to European football. It's not even close. Ten finals. Nobody else has more than five, and that's one team that has five in Manchester United. Chelsea have three. No one else has more than two. Uh, seven, six Champions Leagues. United have three. Chelsea and Forest have two. And that's it. Obviously, a couple of teams have won, or you know, so there's that. But Liverpool and their dominance of the Champions League and the European Cup from an English perspective is is quite jarring. Um, when we consider the fact as well that Liverpool didn't make their first final appearance in the late 70s and Real Madrid had already won about six of them by that point, it, it does show that, you know, since that Bob Paisley era, there's very few teams that can claim superiority to Liverpool in European football. If they win it this year, they will tie AC Milan with seven. Only Real Madrid. Now, Real have, what, 13, 14? And it may well be Real that they play in the final because Real play Manchester City tonight. Now, City obviously will go to Madrid confident. They won the first leg 4-3. The 4-3 flattered uh, Real to some extent. But Real also had chances that they missed. Now, City probably should have won the game uh, 7-4. 7-4 probably would have been, a, or even 7-5, would have been a fairer reflection on the game, which was mental, by the way. Um, but tonight will be interesting. Tonight will be interesting. Now, we know that John Stones is unlikely to play, but Zhao Canseo is back. Uh, will Kyle Walker be fit? He's back in training, but Guardiola said recently he might not play the rest of the season. Then he turned up. Well, he trained and will travel. So we'll see. Nathan Ake is a doubt with an ankle injury. John Stones is almost certainly out, and obviously Benjamin Mendy is out. It'll be interesting to see what backline City put out. I believe David Alaba is out for Real. So we'll see what happens there. Looks like Nacho will just come in. Real have clinched the La Liga title, so they'll be full of confidence. And they will believe that they can overturn that deficit on their home ground against City. They will believe fully that they can do that. It should be a really good game. I don't think Real can play as badly as they did in that first leg. And this Real team, 
has just so much nous and experience that, as I said before that game, I'm just not going to write them off because I think you'll look foolish if you write them off. City are the favourites, and I think that's absolutely fair. I think City are the better team. I think individually you can make a case that in a combined 11, you might have more Real players, but collectively, City definitely are the better team. And City have the better depth and the better manager. So it should be a very good game, should be fascinating. Should be of a high quality. I'm expecting goals. I am expecting goals tonight. I, I don't think these two sides... City could try and lock it down, but it's a big gamble to take against someone like Karim Benzema. It really is. If they try and play like they did against Atleti, I think that backfires on them. I think Benzema and Vinicius in particular, and the passing of Modric and Cruz just leaves you open to getting unlocked. And it only takes them unlocking you once. And then all of a sudden you've got to open up. And if your plan has been to bed in and all of a sudden you have to open up, things can get really loose there. So I'm expecting City to come out and try and play the football, dominate the ball and try and get an early goal and put it to bed as quickly as they can. But if Real get an early goal, it's all to play for. Real might prefer a nice dull game and then try and sneak one late on and then go and beat them in, in extra time. Real might prefer that. And if Real get this to extra time, I have a hard time seeing Real lose in extra time. Penalties would be fascinating. Penalties really would be fascinating. Because if I look at that City team, I don't know there's five penalty takers that I trust. De Bruyne, if he's still on the pitch, can he? Could he play 120 minutes? I doubt it. Bernardo, I, I don't know if I trust him. I don't know that I trust Riyad Mahrez with a penalty with that much pressure on it. As good a penalty taker as he can be, he can also miss the odd big one. Zinchenko, I trust. I think his his mindset is bulletproof. Diaz, I trust, because he's got a confident swagger about him that I think he just couldn't put the ball through the back of the net. Rodri, I trust. I don't think I'd trust Grealish in a game like that. It'd be fascinating to see if he starts tonight or even plays any part. If he doesn't, it speaks volumes again about what a poor transfer that's been. Gabriel Jesus. I, I think I've only seen him take one penalty, and that was against Watford recently. No pressure on him in that one. Sterling. His striking of the ball is so inconsistent that I just don't know. Whereas with Real, I know I can give one to Benzema, and he'll score. And I know I can give one to any of that midfield three, and they'll score. Now, without Alaba, I'm not sure on the fifth one. But I do think I'd back Ferland Mendy. I do think I'd back Vinicius. Rodrigo, not so much, but he not, might not start. He played very poorly in the first leg. If it's Asensio, I'd back him. From the spot, I'd, I'd absolutely back him. If Gareth Bale is there, you'd back him. You'd back Bale. 
from the spot in a big a big situation. Loves the big pressure situations. Penalties could be fascinating, but I don't think it gets that far. I think it ends one way or another within 120 minutes. Should be a fun one. 8 p.m. kickoff from the Bernabeu. I can't see how it's not a good game. Uh, in the championship last night, Bournemouth confirmed their return to the Premier League. A 1-0 victory over Nottingham Forest. Kiefer Moore with the winner. A fairly fairly decent game of football. Um, Forest were, were wronged by the officials in the first half. Sam Surridge should have had a penalty. Clearly onside. Brought down by Mark Travers. It should have been a penalty. It was ruled offside. It was a terrible call. A terrible call. There was a couple of poor calls in the game. I think Forrest can feel rightly rightly wronged. But Bournemouth won't care. They've confirmed themselves back into the Premier League. And they needed to because they were facing, I think, potential financial ruin if they hadn't come back up. Their squad value was by far the highest in the division. Their wage bill was the second highest in the division after Fulham. And both of them were by far and away clear from the teams third and below. Uh, So I think both of them needed to get back up. Now, Fulham, because they were in their first year down, their parachute payments would run longer. Bournemouth, I think, only would have had next year, which is the reduced rate in the third year. So they could have had some serious problems. It might have been a big fire sale this summer if they hadn't uh, come back up. But congrats to them. Uh, They'll be a good addition to the Premier League. I'll be interested to see if Parker does better this time than he did with Fulham. Can't be be much worse. Can't be much worse. If he keeps them up, there'll be shouts that he gets manager of the year because he's obviously a war hero, you know, fought for his country in World War I and World War II and the Boer War and any other war that England were in. War of the Roses? I don't know. I'm, I'm not an English historian, but Waterloo, was he there? He might have been there. He might have been there. You can just see him now sitting proudly on a horse not a hair out of place, looking exactly like he does today. Fella's been doing cryo for 150 years minimum. Just doesn't age. He looks exactly the same now as he did when he broke through a charm. Um, anyway, yeah, congrats to them. It, it, that's a good Bournemouth team. There's a lot of good players there. Uh, there's some players I do very much like. Uh, I really like Lloyd Kelly. I really like Mark Travers. I think Jefferson Lerma is a decent player. Lewis Cook is a player I really like. And I had hoped Leeds might try and buy him back. Uh, Philip Billings, very good. And then Solanke's had a really, really impressive season. So great for, great for them. Great for them. But the biggest news from Bournemouth yesterday, something that far outstrips this promotion, is the news that David Brooks is cancer-free. David Brooks, the Welsh international, was diagnosed with, I think, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma back in October. Might have been earlier than that. Um, He has been given the news that he is cancer-free. And that is absolutely fantastic news. 24 years of age to get that type of diagnosis. Yeah, the 13th of 
Oh, no, it was Hodgkin lymphoma. It was Hodgkin lymphoma. Uh, the 13th of October, he was diagnosed. And yesterday he was given the all clear, or he announced that he's been given the all clear. And that is just fantastic news. Absolutely fantastic news. I can't wait to see him back playing football again because he is a wonderful player, a genuinely outstanding talent. I'm really excited to see him back. Uh, he's got a decision to make, though, because he's had a contract this summer. I assume he re-signs with Bournemouth, um, but you just don't know. You just don't know. But my assumption is he will re-sign with Bournemouth. Uh, but it's great to have him back. And, um, yeah, congrats to him. I'm going to take a break now. When we come back, I've got a question from Alex that was for Thursday, but it was too big to do Thursday. And I didn't get to do it yesterday because I was ranting and raving about Everton and Chelsea being a disgrace. Uh, so today I'm going to do it. We're going to try and basically build a new Premier League franchise type of situation, uh, including some drafted players as an expansion draft and then some uh, some shopping, which, as you know, I enjoy doing for footballers. Right. We'll see you in a minute. Right, welcome back. So, before we get into the question from Alex, uh, we're going to go through the bits of news that are out there today. So, there has been yet another twist in the Chelsea sale situation. And that is that Roman Abramovich apparently now wants his £1.6 billion loan repaid in full. Now, as it was... The price of Chelsea Football Club was around four billion. That was two point seven billion to buy the asset, and about one point three billion for the replacement or renovation of Stamford Bridge. That was having to be written in as a term of purchase. Roman now wants his money back on top of that. That is five point six billion pounds of a commitment to buy Chelsea Football Club. Now, the 2.7 valuation was already high. Chelsea Football Club is worth about 2.2 billion, according to various outlets. So you're already paying over the odds. You were committing to the new stadium, but that's fine. That's a source of revenue. Spend that money. You'll make that money back. It will take time, but you'll make that money back. But this 1.6 billion loan really does complicate things. Taking out, taking out the money for the stadium, the 2.7 million purchase price and the 1.6 million loan, that's 4.3 billion. 4.3 billion for a club worth 2.2 billion. You're paying basically double what Chelsea is worth. You're paying more than the club is ever likely to be worth. So for people like Todd Bowley, who, by the way, just in case people weren't clear on this, Todd Bowley is not going to be the majority owner of Chelsea. He is going to be a minority partner. Clear Lake Capital will be the majority owner. 
They're a private equity firm. They're investors. They're not a group of people that are going to come in and fund mass amounts of spending. They're going to demand that Chelsea are self-sufficient and profitable. Two things they've never been since, well, maybe ever, because they certainly haven't been that under Roman. They absolutely were not that under Ken Bates. And there's a reason Ken Bates was able to buy the football club for a pound because it came with massive debts, because at that point they weren't self-sufficient either. So drastic changes are coming to Chelsea. And anybody telling you that Chelsea are going to sign Kunde and Pau Torres and Chuameni and Declan Rice and spend 200 million this summer, they're living in a fantasy world. Now they may, they may come in and say, we'll do one big hit where you can go and spend 100 million net and, you know, try and replenish the squad because they're losing Rudiger, they're losing Christensen, they're losing Aspilicueta, they're probably losing Marcus Alonso. But I would bet that the majority of their spending this summer has to be covered by outgoings. Now, Lukaku would be the big obvious one to move on, but what's his value after this season? It's certainly not the 97 million they paid a year ago. They could sell Hakim Ziyech. What do you get for him? 20 million maybe? They could sell Conor Gallagher, but that's another good young player, homegrown from their academy, that would absolutely give everything he has to play for Chelsea that you'd be losing. You'll get good money for him, but is he more valuable in monetary terms to be replaced by someone that doesn't have that connection to the club? Or is he more valuable in a physical form at the club playing for him? You could sell Jorginho. That's one avenue I'd go down. But again, what's his value? One year left on his deal, 31 years of age, coming off a fairly poor season. And Golo Kante the same. And he, His injury issues are starting to mount up a little bit as well. The style of play is taking a toll on how his body reacts. There's a lot needed at Chelsea. And their best source of replenishment is going to be that academy in many ways. They've made a lot of mistakes in recent years. Mark Wehi, Fikayo Tamore, Tino Livermento, Tammy Abraham. Those were mistakes. They could sell Brogia. I, they'll get good money. Again, I think that's a mistake. I think I'd rather have him. I'd rather have him and Tammy than Lukaku. I'd rather have both of them than just Romelu Lukaku. And I love Lukaku. I think he's a brilliant player. But if I'm Chelsea, I'd rather have them than him. But Tuchel, for some reason, took a dislike to Tammy Abraham, and who knows why. But for me... If I was making decisions at Chelsea, I, I would be pushing strongly for a focus on the academy, a, few, a focus on youth recruitment at a high level, which is something they've done very well. I'd be focused on retaining the homegrown players. And I've been through this before. I would focus on trying to build a team largely from that academy. And if I was going to buy players, I'd be tempted to go and try and buy back Mark Wehi, try and buy back Fikayo Tamore, rather than going and spending 
60 million on Pau Torres, I'd much rather spend 35 on Gwei rather than spending 70 on... Now, Jules Kunde is better than Tamori. Let me be clear on that. He is better than Tamori. But I think it would mean more to Tamori. And in the back three, I really like the idea of Gwehi, Tamori and Levi Colwell, who I'd be promoting into, into that first-team squad without question. I know they've got a buyback on Gwehi or, or, or the rights to match offers. They've got a buyback on a buyback on Livermento, which I think I'd, I'd probably go for next summer, not this summer, because he's out with the ACL tear. You know, you've got Dion Sterling could, could act as a back, a right back for next season. Um, but I think that's where the focus needs to be. Promote that youth. Give them opportunities. The likes of Harvey Vale, Colwell, those two lads can offer you something. Keep Tino Andrew and see what he can offer you. If they're not good enough, they're not good enough. But find out. Find out for real. You'd be surprised at what, what it can mean to a player to play for the club that they support, who develop them, as opposed to how they perform elsewhere. So big changes coming at Chelsea, but that loan situation, that um, that loan situation with Roman, that is going to be really, really interesting to keep an eye on. And the fact that Bowley is only going to be a minority owner, which is what I said all along, this guy hasn't owned a major sports entity as the primary owner. He doesn't have the experience of running the day-to-day at the Lakers or the Dodgers. He's a minority owner. He's an investor. With, with that private equity firm behind him, he's not going to be doing anything risky. He's not going to be doing anything silly because they'll buy him out. And they're the ones that this deal for him to buy the club or them to buy the club is based on. It's their involvement that has made Chelsea the preferred bidder. They're now in a position of exclusive negotiations. If it doesn't go through, I, my assumption is that Martin Broughton and Stephen Paliuka will get another bite of the apple. But obviously Jim Ratcliffe involved himself. That's complicated as well in many ways. But again, it's his company that would be buying the, the club, not him. He's not buying it with his personal wealth. His company were buying it as an investment. So again, things aren't just going to be carrying on as they have under Roman. The days of Chelsea spending recklessly are done. They're over. And nothing's bringing them back. Uh, speaking of a club with financial issues at the minute, uh, Burnley's accounts don't make pretty reading. And they would need to pay back a significant proportion of a £65 million loan at the end of this season if they're relegated. The loan was taken out as part of the club's takeover by ALK Capital in December of 2020. Now also, just to cycle back to the Chelsea thing, don't be surprised at all if that becomes a leveraged buyout. If they buy the club, even if they pay off the debt to Roman and then remortgage the club and lump that debt onto the club, don't be surprised at all 
if it becomes something like that. I don't think they will, but it's very possible. Uh, it's what follow what Burnley did. It's what obviously the Glazers did at United. And if Burnley go down, they're going to be in major trouble because these owners don't seem like the type that will just put their hand in their pocket and pay off a large portion of that loan. In the latest accounts, it is confirmed that £102 million worth of debt has been taken on through its two holding companies, £65 million to Burnley FC Holdings Limited and £37 million to Burnley Football and Athletic Company. Burnley, by the way, had no debts and had money in the bank. They were a profitable club prior to this takeover. Now, they still have £50 million in cash reserves. But prior to this takeover, they had 80 million sitting in the bank, no debt on the club. And they were the model club. They were being run brilliantly. They just unfortunately couldn't afford to really compete at the Premier League level in terms of spending because they were trying to be profitable. These owners do not strike me as somebody who should have passed the fit and proper ownership test. These owners do not strike me as somebody who should have been allowed into our game. And the fact that these type of buyouts are still allowed after the what we've seen at Manchester United really strikes to the core of the problem in English football. Uh, another problem in football in general is footballers thinking that they have some sort of right to do whatever it is they want to women. And obviously we've seen the Benjamin Mendy case. We've seen what's happened with Mason Greenwood. And now Santi Mina, the Celta Vigo striker, has been sentenced to four years in prison after being found guilty of sexual abuse. Mina will appeal the verdict and will be jailed if the appeal fails. An accomplice, David Golder, was found not guilty. Mina is accused of raping a woman in a camper van in 2017 where she had, where she had gone with Goldar. Her lawyer said Goldar did nothing to stop Mina from raping her. Mina and Goldar said the woman consented to the sexual relations. Mina was cleared of a sexual aggression charge she was also facing, which is associated with intimidation or violence against the victim. The striker played for, was playing for Valencia at the time, but returned to his boyhood club Celta Vigo in 2019, Celta have removed Mina from the squad while the appeals process is ongoing and have also opened disciplinary proceedings against the woman, or against, sorry, against the former Spain on the 21 International. The ruling by the lower court can be appealed against at Spain's Supreme Court. The prosecutor had asked for eight years in prison while the victim's lawyers were seeking nine and a half years in prison and he got four years. So as it was, his privilege and his power, and his name, got him a reduced sentence, and now he would appeal. This is yet another example, similar to what happened with the rugby players in Northern Ireland, where they managed to get off, despite quite a bit of evidence suggesting that they should not have gotten off. Santi Mina, scumbag. Scumbag. Right. Let's do something more fun. So this question was sent in by Alex. Uh, so let me just 
clarify what the the rules are. Uh, Premier League is getting an expansion team and you're in charge of player recruitment, as is what should be the case. You need a 25-man squad, seven of which can be acquired through an expansion draft. Draft rules are that each team can protect 12 players and you cannot take more than one player from any one team. Under 23 players are automatically protected. You have 120 million as well as loans and frees to fill the remaining 18 spots. Right. So what I've decided to do here is, if I'm going to be an expansion, I'm going to be as good as possible straight away. So I don't really want to be taking players from the lesser teams in the league because realistically, most of the teams in the league only have 12 players that I would want at a maximum. Some of them have like eight. So I'm not going to get anything from a Brentford with respect or a Leeds with respect or Norwich or Watford or Burnley. I'm not going to get anything from those because they're going to protect the few players that I would want. So I'm going to focus in on the, on the tops of the big six and then see if I can find someone at either West Ham or Leicester that would work for me. <clears throat> so. Liverpool, right? What 12 players are Liverpool going to protect? So Allison will be one. Trent will be one. Robertson will be one. Van Dijk, Kanate, Keita, Fabinho, Thiago, Salah, Mane, Diaz, and I would say Henderson, because he's the club captain. So I've got options here from Liverpool. I could take Firmino. I could take Joe Gomez, Joel Matip. Gomez, Fabinho. I'm not going to take them now. I'm going to write down who I can take. Gomez, Matip, Firmino, Jota, Costa Simicus. Harvey Elliott. So I've got I've got a good option, good group of options from Liverpool. Manchester United, they're going to keep De Gea, Varane, Maguire. I'll be honest, they don't actually have anybody that I want. I they they genuinely don't. Would they protect Anthony Martial? I'm not sure they would. I'm not sure they would, you know. De Gea, Lindelof, Maguire, Rashford, Fred, Bruno, Varane, Shaw, Sancho. I don't think they'd protect Anthony Martial. 
Maybe they would. We'll come back to it, but I'm going to mark him down just on the off chance. Martial and Donny van de Beek. I think they'd have to let one of them go. I think they'd have to let one of them go. Uh, Arsenal then. Uh, Tierney, White, Partey, Gabriel, Sacco, Odegaard, Smith-Rowe, Tomiyasu, Pepe, Ramsdale, Xhaka, Martinelli. That's probably their, their dozen, isn't it? So that gives me the options of... Now, he said under 23s, I'm taking that as players that came through the academy, not players they bought. Maybe maybe I've done that wrong, but that's... So anyone under 23 from their academy, any young players that are in their under 23 teams, basically, they're in their Premier League B teams, that's what I'm taking as. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking that's leaving me the option of William Saliba. Uh, Lucas Torreira. That's probably the two. Um, Saliba. Chelsea. Um, let's just pretend they've got contracts beyond this season. So, regardless, Jorginho, Silva, Kante, Kovacic, Lukaku, Pulisic, Werner, Mount, Chilwell, Kai, James. I don't even know how the other one would be. Who have they got? They'd probably keep either Billy Gilmore or Connor Gallagher. I think they'd keep Billy Gilmore. I'm not sure they'd keep Connor Gallagher. So I'm going to write him down. Again, I know he's under 23. I'm aware of his age. But he's a senior player and he's been out on loan. So I'm marking him down as an option. Uh, I'm not going to mark down Levi Colwell because he's in his first season and he's, he's so young. But I think Ethan Ampadu is another option. Uh, Tottenham. Lloris, Regulon, Romero, Heusberg, Son, Kane, Sessegnon, Mora, Bentoncourt, Doherty, probably Dyer because they seem to like him. I think they like Ben Davies. I think my options here are the fellas they have on loan. I think it's Lacelso or Endombele. And then Man City, Walker, Diaz, Stones, Sterling, Gundogan, Grealish, Laporte, Rodri, De Bruyne, Silva, Canseo, Mares. So it doesn't give me great options. And I think that might have been 11. If it, if it was 11, then we'll say Nathan Aki is the 12th one. Um, 
doesn't give me great options. But what they do have is a couple of very interesting players out on loan, including Pedro Poro, who I do really like, Jan Herrera, who I really like, Those two down. Herrera and Poro. Okay, so let's have a look. We'll take Saliba from Arsenal. I'm going to take Martial from United. I'm going to take Joe Gomez from Liverpool. I'm going to take Conor Gallagher from Chelsea. I'm going to take Endombele from Spurs and Poro from City. I think that works for me. I'd be happy with that. that. That's a good six to start with. So that's those clubs out of the way. So let's look now at West Ham. Uh, Cresswell, Zuma, Sufal, Fornals, Antonio, Lanzini, Vlasic, Bowen, Diop, Rice, Suchek and Ben Rama. I don't think there's anyone else I'd want. I genuinely don't. So we might just leave them. Uh, Leicester, Schmeichel, Fafana, Evans, Barnes, Tielemans, Vardy, Madison, Ianacho. Pereira, Dewsbury Hall, Ndidi, and Samare. I think they'd likely want to keep Pats and Daka and Timothy Castanier as well. So if I've if I've picked anyone that you think is wrong, one of those two is probably the one. I think James Justin is the one that stands out here that's potentially available. I think he's perfect, so I'm going to take James Justin. So, right, what that gives me then, I'm I'm going to play it back three here. I'm going to go to something like a three, three one four two type of of setup. So if I go, Gomez is the right side centre back. Justin as the left side centre back, he can play anywhere in defence, and Saliba as the one in the middle. Then Poro as my right wing back, Endembele, and Gallagher as my midfield two, and then Martial on the left. No, Martial is one of my front two. 
So I need a striker. I need a left wing back and a goalkeeper. And then I need my one to play between the lines in midfield, defensively between the lines, between centre-back and centre-midfield. And I've got, what did he say I had to spend? 120 million plus loans and frees. Well, let's go free transfer hunting then. Um, I'm going to, I'm just going to use transfer markets values. I know they can be haywire, but what other source am I going to use uh, for this? Um, left backs. We'll start at left back because that might be the easiest one to fill. It's not. <laughs> There's a very, very small number of good left backs available. Twenty twenty three. Who's had a contract in twenty twenty three that we can maybe get on a on a cheaper deal because they've only got a year left. Um, looking for a certain age profile as well because building a younger team. Do you know what? Forget that. We're going to go Tagliafico from Ajax out of contract in a year. He has talked about leaving and wanting to go somewhere else. His valuation is 10.8 million on transfer market. He'll only have 12 months left in his contract. I think I think I can get him for 8 million. So we'll mark him down for 8 million. Gonna bring in Lee Buchanan from Derby on a free as his backup. Good going forward, solid enough defensively. Lee Buchanan is perfect there. Uh, want my goalkeeper next. I think goalkeeper is one of the positions it's worth spending a bit of money. So we'll have a look at the 2023 out of contract keepers. I like Alex Murray. I do. I've always liked Alex Murray. But Bartolomej Dragowski of Fiorentina is also out of contract and according to transfer market has a lower valuation. Predrag Rajkovic is also out of contract. I'm going to go Rajkovic because I I always go Rajkovic. Uh, his valuation, according to transfer market, is 8.1 million. So I'm going to just spend that because I think that's that's a good deal. So we'll say eight. I'll give them 100,000. I'll give them free tickets to a game. Uh, again, you dip into this year's out of contract pool for your backup goalkeepers because you're not going to spend big money on two. I'll take Thomas Strakosha from Lazio as my keeper, as my backup keeper, rather. Similar 
profile, another nice big goalkeeper, big and commanding. That's what we're looking for here. Strascosha. And then you want a third keeper just for depth. Going to look for a bit of Premier League experience. We'll take Alex McCarthy. Alex McCarthy from Southampton. I'm not a huge fan, but he is a decent keeper. And he's on a free, so that's that's always good. And, you know, we're, we're going to look at the, the quota here as well, I think. So we'll have one, two, three, four. He'll be the fifth towards my quota. So that's good as well. Um, might as well look for my striker next. Want someone that can play with Martial. Someone that can link attack to defence be that hold-up type of player, play back to goal, but also drop into midfield and, and give me a little bit of an advantage there. Considered Memphis. I think I'll just go back to a player I go with regularly. I'll go Charles de Ketelier of... Um, of Club Bruges. They're saying his valuation is 27 million. I'm saying I can get him for 22 and add-ons. No. Let's see. Uh, and for backup, for, we need two backup forwards now as well. These are these could be pricey enough. Um, ben Breerton Diaz is out of contract in a year. He's got. He's te technically he's out of contract this summer, but they have an option to extend. He's had a very good season. I'm going to take Ben Breerton Diaz for 15 million with a year left on a, on his contract. Think he's got real potential and i really like eddie and katia and he's on free we'll take in katia we'll take in katia on a free that kind of poacher type different sort of player Right, so I just need one more in my for as a starter. I need someone that can play as a defensive midfielder who can also be sort of a deep lying playmaker, dictate the game, good range of passing. I, I, ideally I'm probably looking for Ruben Neves here but I can't really afford Ruben Neves what have I spent so far 16, 38 48, 53 I don't really want to commit to spending if I just go with a pure defensive minded midfielder 
who can break things up, protect the defence and move the ball on. Let Endembele be more of the playmaker and then Gallagher can just go box to box. I'll go Bubakar Kamara on a free. And I'm going to double up on the free transfers. I'm going to bring in Florian Grilich as a backup to him. Now I need backups in central midfield. I really, really like a couple of players here. So there's Jean Onana, the Cameroon international at Bordeaux. I really like him. I think he's potentially, potentially going to be one of the better sort of box-to-box all-round midfielders in Europe in the coming years. Now, they have his value at 3.6 million. He's going to cost more than that. I think he's going to cost quite a bit more than that. Going to mark him down at 10 million. There's Amadou Onana as well. He's a good player at Lille, but we'll leave him there. I'm going to go back to City and I'm going to buy Jan Hel Herrera. Um, again, I think you'd probably get him for. 10 mil ish. He's marked 18 million. Right, we'll say 15 million on Herrera. So that gives me Onana there. Herrera there. So I need need a backup right wing back and three backup centre backs. And he said I had to have a squad of what, 25? 25. So if I get those four, I'll have a squad of 23, including my backup keeper. And then we'll figure out what to do. Uh, Backup right back then. Again, you're going to be dipping into the the free agent pool, trying to pick up somebody or find a bit of value here as a backup to Poro. Um, there's not not a whole lot. Simi Versalco, decent but so inconsistent. Gibral Sidibe. Got decent experience, but very different to the type of right back that I've got as a starter. Uh, who's out of contract in 2023 that might be had on the cheap? Not seeing many great options. 
<laughs> really not seeing many great options here. What would Yusuf Atal cost? Okay, transfer market says 13.5. I'll take a towel. I'll take him for, when's he at a contract? He's at a contract next year. We'll take him for 10. Yeah, we'll take Yusuf Atal, the Algerian international from Nice. Really, really fun player going forward. Play all up and down the right side. So him and Poro there give me good options. Um. We're up to 88 million spent, which gives me 32 million to get three backup center backs and then two mystery guests. Uh, so again, we'll go back into the free agent pool for central defenders and see what is available. Right, we'll just rule Christensen and Rudiger off because they're they're pretty much set on where they're going. Um, Jason Denier I'll take on a free I'll take Luis Felipe from Lazio also on a free And we want one more. Ideally, ideally a left footer here. Um, left footers, I know, are few and far between at, at a good level. I'll take Lusumi from Genk. He's at a contract in 2023. Transfer market says his value is 9 million. So we'll take him for 7 million. Year left as contract. They can get realistic about the price. Good player. Plenty of potential. Good aggression. We'll go with him. So that gives me... Felipe there. Denny, you're there. Lusumi there. That's not bad. It's not bad. Right, so as things stand, we've got a 23-man squad. Our starting 11 of Rajkovic, Gomez, Saliba, Justin, Kamara as a sitting midfielder, 
Toro, Enzambele, Conor Gallagher, and Tagliafico. De Ketelier, probably butchering his name, don't care. And Martial, a backup 11 of Strakosha, Felipe, Denier, Lusumi, Grilich, Atal, Onana, Herrera, Buchanan, Brierton, and Enketia. How are we doing for quota? Uh, then we've got Alex McCarthy as the third choice keeper. So for quota, we've got McCarthy, Gomez, Saliba. Did Jason Denier spend long enough in England to classify his homework? He did. He did. Jason Denier. No, he doesn't. Does he? For his 21? Yes. He should do. I think he does. I think Jason Denier classifies. He's out on loan, so it could be. Well, never mind. doesn't matter. We've got McCarthy. We've got Gomez. We've got Justin. We've got Gallagher, Buchanan, Brayton, and Enketia. And if I'm not mistaken, that's enough. No, we need. Do we need one more? Can't have any more than. Can't have any more than seventeen non-homegrown players. That's what it is. Uh, if Denny or classifies, then I'm fine. If he doesn't, then I need one more. But uh, I need two more players anyway to get me my twenty-five man squad. Um. I'll take another midfielder because I just think it's always handy to have as many midfielders as possible when you play three-man. You're going to try and play physical, high-tempo style, as we will. Um, I'll take Tom Davies from Everton. His value is 16.2. I reckon out of contract 2023, probably get him for 12. And then I want one more. I want a fifth forward. Something different. Somebody a little bit different to what I've already got. Um, Got about 12 million left. Not great options. Let me think. Do you know what? 
We'll take Daniel Sturridge on a free, little bit of experience, proven goal scorer, can play on his own in a two, in a three. And I, I absolutely love Daniel Sturridge. So I'll take Daniel Sturridge to bring a bit of experience to the team. So there's my 25-man squad. Rajkovic, Strakoska, Strakosha, and McCarthy as my three keepers. Poro and Atal as my right-wing backs. Tagliafico and Buchanan as my left-wing backs. Gomez, Saliba, Justin, Felipe, Denier, and Lusumi as my three centre as my six centre backs. Kamara, Endembele, Gallagher, Grilich, Onana, Herrera, and Davies as my seven midfielders. De Ketelier, Martial, Brayton, Enketier, and Sturridge as my five strikers. That is a 25-man squad. That is 108 million spent. But obviously, there's going to be a lot of loan, a lot of uh, signing fees for all the free transfers. But none of them are big name free transfers. So I don't think any of them would want mega money. I think the wage bill would be reasonable. And I think that's a top half squad comfortably. I think that's a top eight squad. So I've got 12 million left. I'll just go and buy myself a decent manager. I think that's decent. I think it's decent. I think that is a top half squad at worst. I think it's top eight with a potential to push for Europa League. If two big ifs in that squad, I can I can rely on the goalkeeper. I can rely on my back three. I know I'll get quality in the wide positions. I know what Kamara and Gallagher will give me. Endembele is the big gamble there, but Onana and Herrera can come in for him if need be. And Martial is the other big gamble. Because I think the other strikers that I've got will all be fairly reliable. But I need him to be at his very best and score a bunch of goals. And if he does, we'll get Europa League. If he doesn't, I think we finish eighth, maybe ninth. So that's that. Hope that's hope. I hope I stuck by the rules as well as possible. Uh, if I didn't, well, it's my podcast, so tough. Um, right, we'll do the gossip, and we're done for today. Belgian striker Romelu Lukaku has no interest in signing for AC Milan or Newcastle this summer, despite his growing frustration at lack of opportunities at Chelsea. I think he wants to go to Inter. It's it's simple as that. Uh, Barcelona will listen to big money offers for Frankie de Jong. Okay. Manchester United obviously been linked recently. Uh, Eric Ten Hag has identified eight players he can trust when he begins his United range. Uh, Reign, rather. He he hopes to sign a left-side centre-back to help Harry Maguire recapture his best form. What? Harry Maguire is a left-side centre-back. And what are you going to do? Move Maguire to the right and drop Raphael Varane? That's ridiculous. James Ward-Prowse, Jared Bowen and Tyrell Malashia are believed to be on the shortlist. Enjoy finishing seventh. Uh, Newcastle have been linked with Darwin Nunes 
who's also been linked with Liverpool and Manchester United. Newcastle are also looking at Patrick Schick and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I think Schick would, would low-key be a brilliant signing for them. The only issue with him is fitness. But if he stays fit, he's outstanding. Uh, Newcastle are reportedly rivaling AC Milan and Inter Milan for the signing of Sassuolo and Italy striker Gianluca Scamica. He would be better staying in Italy unless he's coming to Liverpool. Uh, I'm just, I, he, I love him. He's brilliant. I hope he stays at in Italy. I'd love him. I'd love him to say it's a small one of the year and develop. I really would. Uh, Paolo Dybala linked with Man United, Newcastle, and Arsenal would instead join Inter Milan when his contract expires, which is what I expect to happen. But I'm not taking that as uh, I'm not taking that as gospel. PSG are interested in Chouameni, but the 22-year-old would prefer a move abroad. He's strongly linked to Liverpool and Real Madrid. I have a feeling Liverpool are going to get him. I don't know why, I just do. I have a feeling Liverpool are going to sign him. Antonio Conte would like to sign James Ward-Prowse and Mark Cucurella. Um, Cucurella, I could see if Regulon leaves. Ward-Prowse, unless he's going to play as a right wing back, which maybe. Aston Villa have been told by Barcelona that they have until the end of May to decide whether they want to keep Philippe Coutinho. And if they decide at the end of May they're not going to pay the price and they go back to Barcelona three weeks later with a lower price, Barca will take it. Manchester United have failed in an attempt to sign Karim Adeyemi with the 20-year-old German set in a move to the Bundesliga side. Chelsea want to sign Josko Gvardiol as a replacement for Antonio Rudiger. That's great. He's going to cost a fortune. And the fellow who's reporting it is the same fellow that was making up lies about Saudi Arabian interest in buying Chelsea. So I wouldn't put any trust in him at all. I think he's an appalling journalist. Genuinely. There's no guarantee of anything with Chelsea at the minute. Their license to operate as a club expires on May 31st. If they're Takeover's not taken care of by then. When the Premier League meet to begin the new season on, I think it's June the 8th, they may not be allowed to enter the Premier League for next season. Arsenal are lining up a move for Aaron Hickey. Mikel Arteta is keen to bolster his defensive options. It is Chris Wheatley. So this would mean the end of Nuno Tavares after one season. Now, I think Hickey needs to go somewhere where he'll play, but he'd be a really good signing for Arsenal. Inter Milan are prepared to sell Stefan de Vries for £15 this summer with Tottenham, Aston Villa and Newcastle among those interested. I think he'll end up at Tottenham, I do. A newly promoted Fulham could make a move to sign Joe Gomez. I would say hold off on trying to buy a player that will cost you the better part of 50 million and maybe just, you know, stay in your lane a little bit. Uh, Fabio Carvalho has agreed to join Liverpool in the summer, says Tony Khan, and he would know because, you know, his dad owns owns the club. Um, Eddie and Ket, Arsenal will make one final attempt to tie Eddie and Ketty down to a new contract. Too late. I've signed him here. Uh, Lazio are willing to lower their asking price for Sergio Milinkovic Savage to around 67 million. What was it to begin with? 
Uh, Newcastle will face competition from PSG to sign Rafael Leo. Rafael Leo is not leaving P- uh, AC Milan this summer. Not a chance. And that will do me for today, folks. Thank you, as always, for listening. I will see you all tomorrow. Take care. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.